0: You're listening to IPR Radio. I'm Sanjay Mukherjee. In today's episode, we speak to Yehuda Elram, co-founder and CEO, Exit, on an elegant solution to end mail-chick culling. Good morning, Yehuda, and welcome to IPR Radio podcast. Thank you for joining us from Jerusalem today.
1: Good morning, Sanjay, and thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak with you today.
0: Welcome. Every year, billions of newly hatched male layer chicks are killed because they have no use. Male layer chicks do not lay eggs and they do not have enough meat for human consumption. This is both a financial and ethical challenge. You at Exit are doing path-breaking work to tackle this issue. Would you tell us a little bit about the work you're doing, Yevda, and how it is said to disrupt the eggs and chicken industry?
1: Yes, thank you for that question. So every year around seven billion male chicks are killed upon their hatching. As, As you mentioned, they are useless to the industry, not having the ability to lay eggs, obviously, and not having enough meat to be worthwhile to be fed and raised. So so how do you solve this? If you only knew what's inside the egg as it is laid, you would not incubate, hatch, bring to life, select, and they'll kill those 7 billion poor males. Now, focusing on India and the numbers, so every year, more or less, according to the data I have, there are around 3- hundred thirty million layers which are hatched every year so how do you meet this challenge and how do you find a way to know what's inside the egg and how do you do it at scale that you do not interfere with the practices of the industry Uh, with that question we set our journey and and by using cutting edge technologies based on optics on light which as we know is the fastest thing on universe and with the help of gene editing we were able to solve this and recognize and identify the males inside the egg in a non-invasive way at the speed of light as the eggs are laid.
0: That's interesting. Yehuda, you have varied interests. You are a lawyer and own an espresso bar chain. What was the inspiration behind Exit and how did you get started?
1: Hmm. Well, I would say in one word serendipity, but uh, <laughs> in in a few more words. So after spending 20 years as a lawyer and pursuing various other pa- passions I've had, such as teaching at high school, uh, I have been and I still am a hydrotherapist treating people in water and uh, I got involved in a few business ventures, including the coffee chain that you mentioned, I realized that I wanted to reinvent myself and bring together my skills, my experiences, and passions. Growing up in a family of egg farmers, I've always been passionate about animal welfare, sustainability, I love science, and food. So I also have a strong interest in creativity, purpose, impact, and teamwork, and given my history also in business strategy. Recognizing this problem and the need for a more ethical and sustainable approach in the egg and chicken industries, I founded Exit together with Professor Danny Offen of Tel Aviv University. This, This allowed me to use my legal and business skills to make a meaningful difference. Our company is committed to disrupting the traditional practices in the industry and promoting a more ethical and sustainable approach to production. So overall, I would say that my passion for purpose-driven work has driven me to found Exit and pursue my dreams of making a a meaningful impact on the world.
0: So what intrigues me, Euda, is what happens to these 7 billion male eggs that are isolated using CRISPR technology? Where do these eggs go?
1: Yeah, yeah. So as I as I mentioned, we were able to to identify these male eggs uh, pre incubation when they're still cold, and then you have seven billion eggs again in global terms that enter the hatcheries in this female only hatching environment. You don't need to do sex selection as they hatch, as we only allow the females in. But then you remain with those seven billion male containing eggs, which just remain eggs. So then the question is what to do with them. Uh, I would say the answer would be based on on regulatory standards in different uh, geographies. Uh, The main, these eggs do contain a biomarker, which allows us to see see that they are males. Uh, I would say the easy path for them would be to go to the non-food industry Uh, the chemical industry uses the egg uh, as an ingredient, uh, for instance, for glue, for cosmetics, et cetera. So they will definitely be repurposed, what exactly and where to, uh, yet to be determined. And these conversations need to happen uh, with, again, regulatory uh, agencies in each country. Right but the, uh, the main point is to to emphasize that they just remain eggs there is no they never enter the incubator so the embryo never mm-hmm. develops inside there is the potential of life but that potential will not be realized
0: so how are you using your technology to save livestock and livelihood and how does it help in tackling the issues of uh, food security and food cost
1: okay so i, I will i will respond to this question uh, describing two technologies or two products that we are uh, developing in our company. So, remaining on the topic of 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 sexing. So, I'll I'll, I'll try to explain uh, very quickly the technology. So so my co-founder Professor often realized that the information male female is in the egg as the egg is laid as it's in the chromosomes and these are already mm-hmm. encoded but then you need some access to that information it's there but how do you how do you how do you see through the eggs to see a, what's inside now say you would even been able to open the egg and look into it you do not see chromosomes they don't have a physical optical appearance sure so the beauty of the technology is that we created by adding a biomarker a fluorescent gene to the male chromosome only. So you create this uh, beautiful distinct binary situation where the males have an optical appearance by this edited biomarker. And the design of the system is such that only the males receive this biomarker and the females remain clean. So you have uh, a few great advantages. One, there's a binary distinction, which is zero one. It's either a male and the chromosome will be illuminated. Uh, or a female, and it will remain untouched. So one, you have the distinction. Two, from the point of view of regulatory, uh, although we are using gene editing tools to create this distinction, the actual product that reaches market, both the layer hen and the eggs that she lays, remain untouched. Their DNA, if you would test them blindly, is exactly identical. Uh, And not because we've done a great work hiding it, because they're practically untouched. Then, because we're using a biomarker which has optical appearance, the actual uh, task of of selecting between male and female is done using light technology. And again, as I mentioned before, light is very, very fast and the fastest uh, thing uh, in our universe. And therefore, uh, you can do the actual selection very swiftly and meet the throughput of around, again, using the 300-ish million layers that are laid in India per year and same numbers more or less in the U.S. So that means around 38,000 eggs per hour need to go through some kind of selection. And, and then you need something that, or some device of technology that can act very quickly. And, and this technology can do that. Uh, if, if, uh, if you want them to spend a bit more Uh, time on the question of the other technology, I'm happy to do so.
0: No, please do. Please do. So
1: again, once we started the company and realized that we are familiar with the genetics of of chicken, we asked ourselves, okay, what else can we do to use uh, the assets we have in the company, the skills, the know-how, the knowledge in order to better improve the industry uh, on other painful issues? Uh, That's your job when you've decided to start a company to solve pain points in an industry you've entered. So it wasn't difficult to figure out that probably the most uh, painful point in the industry is avian influenza. Uh, Numbers are rising every year. It's a huge uh, risk on on the food security of the planet as uh, proteins derived from poultry, uh, both chicken and eggs. Uh, are a huge percentage of the proteins that we consume and uh, there are safety issues that have to do with the pandemic being able to move from birds to humans and of course the costs and uh, uh, so we have uh, been exploring are there ways to solve this as it seems that currently there's no great solution for this problem and again the problem seems to be growing every year so again, by using gene editing uh, and being able to tweak the DNA in a very minimal way, we have found a strategy that has the potential to eliminate uh, avian influenza in in better ways than, than uh, the current solutions, uh, mainly vaccines can do them currently.
0: Hmm. So that sounds extremely forward thinking and let's hope that this works for the future. So is there any effect of using this gene editing technology on the environment? Does it help in achieving some of the UN's uh, 17 sustainable development goals? Okay, so gene
1: editing specifically by CRISPR is quite a new technology. CRISPR was uh, discovered uh, in 2012. uh, the two scientists behind it, uh, the two women scientists, uh, have been awarded the Nobel Prize back in 2020. Which means two things: one, it is a very young technology; two, the fact that after eight years it has been already awarded uh, the Nobel Prize means that uh, the scientific community it realizes the huge potential and impact of this technology. Sure. So it is a very powerful tool and uh, being used uh, responsibly and ethically and transparently you can solve so many issues uh, from health through agriculture and livestock and there are uh, academic academics working on solutions and companies working on solutions across uh these spaces Uh, there's pharma which is being developed using gene editing which can cure diseases that have not been able to be cured up till now Uh, there are companies working on uh, creating uh, fruit and vegetable which are immune to certain viruses which are a risk on 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 these crops and uh, and for instance what we are doing with livestock uh, those two technologies that i've described before uh, both for sexing and, and preventing the male culling and and again uh, creating immunity for avian influenza so mm-hmm. it, it has the potential of huge impact and and your question about the sustainability goals so of course mm-hmm. yes uh, uh what we do of course uh it touches health and well-being but specifically uh zero hunger responsible consumption and production and good health and well-being are are definitely naming a few uh, uh, impacted uh, development goals uh, by using these technologies and again there's a lot of work being done uh, across the universe to to meet these challenges using gene editing tools
0: right But when it comes to gene editing, one hears a lot of uh, negatives about it, one reads a lot of negatives about it. So have you uh, faced any hurdles or skepticism while introducing this technology?
1: I I would answer this by saying that any powerful tool uh, as having a huge impact and disrupting things we know and and we see that happening now with generative AI, Mm -hmm. Uh, it creates concerns and because it is powerful, uh, technology should be developed to to serve the world and its needs in a positive way. And like any tool, it can be used uh, for many purposes. So therefore, these powerful tools should be regulated and are regulated. Mm -hmm. Uh, The key as we see it and and the scientific community and the industry that uh, applies these tools is to prioritize transparency and ethical practices and being in open dialogue with the public with regulators with industry experts and any other stakeholders to ensure that uh, confidence of safety uh, and trust in our technology so that, that that would be the balance. Again, it's a powerful tool. It has the potential of solving uh, unmet needs in, in better ways or in ways that were not available before. And uh, we definitely believe that it should be used, but it should be used carefully and, mm-hmm. uh, and in a regulated way. Uh, I will remind you that, as I said before, the beauty of what we're doing for the sexing is that The actual product that reaches market, although it's a derivative of a gene editing technology Mm -hmm. and work that we do up there uh, on top of the genetic lines, uh, the product that reaches market and meets the public, both the layers and the eggs, the table eggs, they are untouched. So again, uh, it is yet based on these technologies, but this is a very uh, unique and and, uh, interesting way to use them. In a way that you use it to eliminate out but you actually do not uh, bring to market products which are gene edited
0: right right okay Uh, as you said CRISPR is a relatively new technology and uh, so how is CRISPR opening up the world of possibilities and where do you see CRISPR say five years from now where are we headed
1: Mm -hmm. So so think about about, uh, gene editing as a very precise tool to optimize genetics. That means that if people, plants, animals carry some DNA that creates a challenge, with these tools, you can optimize the DNA in order to eliminate that challenge. Few examples: um, sickle cell anemia mm. uh, now being trialed uh, in order to receive regulatory approval and showing beautiful results of uh, people being treated, where the and and uh, after receiving a treatment based on gene editing, problem that they had to live with all their life in a very painful way, uh, is now solved. And uh, companies working on uh, eliminating disease from uh, banana, from coffee, from rice again, product, uh, produce which is feeding the world Mm -hmm. and uh, has uh, is under danger of extinction because of these pandemics of all kinds of tropical diseases and others that they're met. Uh, Now you can solve. extending uh, shelf life of certain products in a way that only creates benefits and and meeting food security issues uh, What what i have described our work and others works on on poultry and other animals bovine porcine uh, so we believe that as the tool will be more and more uh, used and and receiving more and more regulatory approvals uh, the range of possibilities to cure again people, uh, animals and and uh, plants, crops or cure or create better versions of them without any any downside. Uh, that is something I think uh, we will see over the next five years
0: and, and further down. That's so encouraging to know. Yehuda, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you so much for taking time out to address the IPR Radio community.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for allowing the opportunity and thank you for the listeners and uh, happy to engage. Uh, Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to IPR Radio. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. Our podcasts are available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. We're also available at www.iprradio.in.